in number one won't get you anywhere. Georgia showed us that a couple of weeks ago. Hello? Hey, I'm pulling for the dogs. Alabama showed us that last night. I mean, they were both number one. And as bad as I hate to say it, Auburn beat the number one team, you know, like two weeks in a row or within two or three weeks or something. That's crazy, insane. And as much as I hate to admit it, I have to say that's a pretty big accomplishment. I don't think it's been done in, like, history or something. I don't know. It's, so, so nonetheless, but go dogs in the SEC championship. Amen. <laughs> and let's get it done. But I wanted to draw that contrast to say that confidence in a number one on man's scale will never get it done. But confidence in a holy God, confidence in the Holy Spirit, you see, God has an unfailing record of coming through. He has come through every time, even when it was in the nick of time, and we thought he would, I mean, we had already counted him out and said it's an impossibility, and it is all over, and we're here to die, and then God showed up. So I want to submit to you today that you can put your confidence in this number one. John said in chapter 12 or 14 and verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will even do greater works than these because I am going to my Father. Now the Bible declares what a believer is. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we're a believer in him and yet we act like the world, we act like hell Monday through Saturday and we come put a show on Sunday, that's not what I'm talking about because that's not a true believer. He said, but very, I, very, very, I tell you, and by the way, anytime he said very truly or verily, verily, that's kind of like your mother calling your name the second time or maybe even adding your middle name. Well, it's an attention grabber. It's a literary device to say, hey, listen to me. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me and the works that I do and I've been doing, you're going to be able to do these works and even greater than these because I'm going to go to the Father. So he told his disciples who was really close to him, I mean, they've been together three years, a little over, and he had been telling them things like, it is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit. And see, when Jesus Christ was here in the flesh, if he was in Capernaum, he was in Capernaum. If he was in Jericho, he was in Jericho. You know, uh, so, but he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, you know, and he will be everywhere and every when. Amen. He can be in Jericho and he can be in Jerusalem and he can be in Galilee and Tiberias and wherever else. Amen. He said, in other words, I'm limited while I'm in this robe of flesh because I laid aside a robe of divinity and put on a robe of humanity. He said, but when I leave here and go back there and sit beside the Father, I'm going to send you our spirit and it shall be in you. So where does Jesus live? He's not walking the roads of Galilee or in Tiberias, but he lives in my heart. Amen. And so, listen, there's never a place I am. That's why Paul could write, nothing shall separate me. Or he asked the question rhetorically, what can separate me from the love of God? Shall tribulation, shall peril, shall famine, or sword, or nakedness, or, or any of these things? No, no, nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So I'm gonna I want to tell you today that you should have confidence in the Holy Spirit and always be willing and ready to give an account. Christians far too long have walked on eggshells. They say, where you go to church? I go to the harbor. Uh, uh, or maybe now since we built this church and it's kind of, you know, big, some people say a bougie facility and whatever. I, I don't know how they get all that because we ain't got no stained glass or no steeple or nothing like that. But nonetheless, uh, they, that's the church that we are affiliated with, they say, uh, or some of them anyway. They say that in a kind of a spiteful way. They don't really bother me because I know my heart and I know God's heart. But he says, we ought not be ashamed to say we're Christian. Did you know the most sinful people in the world now, they will stand up and bow their chest out with pride and tell you that they are right about the sin that they're doing and the lifestyle that they're living and all of those things, and they're happy to do it. Why won't a Christian man or a woman say, hey, I am born again. I am filled with his spirit. I am walking in the light as it shines upon my path. So anyway, uh, let me just move on if I may. So confidence in number one isn't going to get it if you're talking about something that man concocted. But confidence in the one. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll get it done. So it is time for you and I to stand up filled with the Holy Spirit and say, the Lord has made me a promise. You know what he said? The things that I'm doing, you're going to be able to do. Matter of fact, he said, I, you're going to even gonna be better than me. Ooh. He said, you mean you... Yeah. He said, you're going to do greater things. Man, Jesus did some pretty bad at the bone things. He fed 5,000 people on the side of a hill one day with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. Now, I've served some pretty good meals. But I had never had that many. Amen. And I mean, man, we cooked and we had the kids bringing groceries for Thanksgiving. And we brought groceries. And I mean, we had all, everybody brought some. But when Jesus done it, only one little boy brought his lunch. So Jesus has done some pretty awesome things. One day he spit on a man's eyes that was blind, and some of y'all would already be jumped on him and slapped him or something. But Jesus spit in his eyes, and he could not see. And he opened his eyes and said, I see men walking around like trees. And Jesus touched him again, and he was healed completely. Jesus touched 10 lepers one day, and he said, just go. As a matter of fact, he didn't even touch them. He just said, turn around and go show yourself to the king. They took, and on their way, they noticed their spots was gone. Are you hearing me? We just passed Thanksgiving, but only one out of 10 come back to say thank you. Jesus done some pretty amazing things, did he not? He went to Lazarus, his good friend's tomb. He had been dead four days and was yet stinking. And the Bible says he told them, roll away the stone. They rolled away the stone. He cried there for a moment and wept for his friend. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And life came into his being again. His eyes opened again for the second time. He drew breath in his body the second time. Amen. And he, he stood on his feet the second time and he came out of that grave Jesus has done some pretty spectacular things yet has the audacity to tell me if I am born again and filled with his spirit that I could even surpass that man we better start practicing or something hello because Jesus did some pretty wild stuff. I mean, let's just look at it. He, he healed all manner of sickness and disease. He cast out devils. You remember the demoniac of Gadara? Some of y'all, man, you get a little scared. To, you know, can't even sleep at night. Huh? Some little demon, you know, got you worried, but you watch all kind of craziness on TV and wonder why. 
I had two girls call me, this was years ago, called me in the middle of the night. I'm talking about like 2.30. I said, Pastor, oh, can you please get on your knees and pray for us? We've been playing with a Ouija board, and we done called up something. We don't know what in the world. I, I really wanted to say, why do you want to wake me up now to bail you out of what you dove off into? You knew better than playing with that to start with. Are you with me? Say amen. But Jesus did some pretty awesome stuff, man. He cast out devils. He raised up dead people. He cleansed lepers. He loosed people from bondage. He set captives free. He controlled the elements. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. And we shall do greater things than this. Now, some of y'all probably did that water to wine thing, and you tried to brew it up, however. And think because you've got 90 proof, you're better than Jesus or something. He said, we're going to do greater things. We can do, you said, we ought to have confidence in the Holy Spirit in so much that when we pray for something, we ought to be able to say, it is done in the name of Jesus. And here's what that literally means, Sister D. It means that if I pray for it, I don't know 100% it's going to turn out my way or this way or that way. But I have turned it over to God and his way is the best way. And I'm praying that when I speak these things, I will give him the glory. And I will give him the honor. And I will say, Lord, give me the grace to accept it your way. Amen. So listen, um, here's what I have decided as I look at this today. If you are who you say you are, you've been born again. Let me see your hand. You've been born again. You've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, if you haven't yet, you can today. There's another deal, too, and that is we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That brings us a holy boldness. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure about all that. Listen, you can't even get saved without the drawing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus. Hello? And then you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and when you believe in him and he washes away your sins, he turns to the Father seated on the throne and says, oh, they ain't sin no more because they're covered, they're washed. They're not covered, but they're washed in my blood, so he never sees your sin anymore. That's why we are justified. It's kind of like this, just if I'd never. Justified. Just as if I'd never. We are justified in him. Why? Jesus Christ become the substitution, the propitiation for my sin. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I, nailing sin to the tree. Amen. He died so that I could live, and he rose again so that I might walk in the power of the resurrection with confidence in the Holy Spirit. Wow. So here's three things that I know is going to happen if you are saved and indeed Filled with the Spirit of God, here's some things that's going to be very evident. Number one, there's going to be power and demonstration in your life. Listen to me. Some supernatural things are going to happen in your life. Uh, You know, it amazes me what God will do when we get right with him and we ask him some supernatural things. I'm, matter of fact, I'm looking at one right now. I, 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 go ahead and stand up, Adam, and, and turn around there. That's little Adeline Ray. You know, I intended to say something about this earlier, but, but, but I'm talking about something supernatural because Chelsea couldn't have no more babies. You understand what I'm saying? But God had promised a baby. Amen. But then the adoption people said thirty-seven to $50,000, and we swallowed real hard and said, oh, my God, that's a whole pile of money. And then they said, well, it's going to shake out to be $40,000 on Father's Day. They stood right here, 
Adam and Chelsea, I laid hands on them. You stretched your hands this way. We said, God, we're believing for the right baby. We're believing for the right budget. We're believing for all this. And in the ensuing days, we raised $40,000. Are you hearing me say amen? On two particular grants that they applied for, they said, oh, that $2,500, oh, they got a $2,500 matching grant. Thank God for that. Another one, they said, uh, the money's dried up. It's, it's no longer. Don't even worry about that one. Well, guess what? On D-Day, on the day or the day before we supposed to have it, they called and said, uh, hey, uh, that money came through, and we've already sent that $2,500. Did you hear me say Amen. After the fact, another one come through. Uh, I think it was like 3500 But what I'm simply saying is this. God is a way maker. And when we, listen, I'm the father, uh, the, the, the grandfather, Adam's father. And I, I'm saying, son, you ain't going to have to borrow one dime. Why? Because God is going to take care of this. That is a sign. It is a wonder. It, it is amazing. Oh, Lord. I wish I could show you the picture of the birth mom and Chelsea. They look like twin sisters. It's crazy. Did you know what? The baby weighed seven pounds, seven ounces. I'm just, I, mean, that, you know, I mean, that might be off the wall to you, but, you know, God's favorite number. It's just an amazing thing to me. I just see God all in it. So I'm just simply saying this, that there's going to be power and there's going to be demonstration. There's going to be evidence. And we believe God and God come through. It was an impossibility for man. But God says what is impossible with man is still possible with God. Well, uh, power and demonstration. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, when I come to you, I didn't come with an excellent speech or wisdom or great oratory skills declaring the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I've had some people come to me after service. They've only been a time or two, and they say, oh, pastor, I don't know what it was, man, but when you was preaching that word or when they were singing some of them songs, I felt some goosebumps on goosebumps. On go I, I mean, I just don't know, but it's something about being in this place. I'm telling you, it is a spirit of the living God that you can invite into you. Are you hearing me? And we ought to have confidence in his spirit. Here's what Peter said. While I was preaching down at Cornelius' house, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word, and they of the circumcision believed and were astonished. And he says, in other words, the Samaritans, Peter didn't even think the gospel was for them. He thought it was just for the Jews. See, the Samaritans were half-breed Jews. Amen. And he thought it was just for the Jews. And, but he goes down there, and he had, God had already given him a vision the day before about being prejudiced. Amen. And uh, he goes down there while he's preaching. He said, while I'm preaching, the Spirit of God fell. You know what that is? Power and demonstration. And he said, I saw the Spirit of God rest on them just like it did on us. He come back to the church at Jerusalem and he says, guys, I'm going to tell you all something because the church at Jerusalem did not want to accept these half-breed believers. Huh? Come on now. Some of y'all know... Uh, let me just take a sidetrack here. Some of our dear black brothers and sisters. You know how they talked about you when you first come to this white church? That's all I'm going to say. Hello. 
<laughs> Y'all crazy and you denied the faith and you denied your family and all of that. Lord, I don't mean to start nothing, but I, I'm down there. But here's what had happened. These half-breed Samaritans, hello, they didn't think Jerusalem church, I mean the big church, they did not think that they were worthy of what God had done. But God spoke to the apostle Peter and said, you go down and preach to them. Listen, because I died for them just like I died for you. I love them just like I love you. And so Peter come back to the council at the new church in Jerusalem and he says, brothers, how can we withhold baptism from these people whom God has shown no respect of persons? God has shown no difference. Have confidence in him, and there will be power, and there will be demonstration. So, Lord, have mercy. Time has a way of going by. And then there's another place there where Paul went down to the Ephesian believers. And, and uh, John, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, one of the disciples <laughs> had been down there <laughs> preaching the gospel. Philip had preached the gospel, and these guys had believed, and, and John had preached the gospel, and they believed. And Jesus said, or Paul said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, well, uh, we don't even know if there be a Holy Spirit. That's what they said. Read it for yourself. And he said, well, then what were you baptized unto? They said, well, unto John's baptism. What was John's baptism? John said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And then he says, but hey, there is one that comes after me, preferred before me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, there is a separate deal. You get saved. He said, but then the Holy Spirit will come and fill you, bubbling up and overflowing. And Paul Paul said, well, well, who were you baptized? Well, we were baptized under John's baptism. Well, then raise your hands. And he laid hands on them. They received the power of the Holy Spirit, spake in tongues and prophesied. Is anybody with me? Say amen. There will be power and there will be demonstration. Lord, let me move on. Let me say this. The next thing that you need to know about somebody filled with confidence in the Holy Spirit is that there will be signs following them that believe. Now, I want to understand. Signs follow that means you come after those who believe. There are people that say, and show me a sign, I'll go. Uh, show me the benefits, and I'll go. Sh show me how it worked out for you, and I'll go. Signs follow. Me and Adam was hunting yesterday and the day before, and I remember we, uh, uh, we, come, we went one day, and we come back the next day, and deer had left some signs right in our golf cart tracks. Their signs followed them. Now, you know what? They're walking. There's no footprints or tracks where the deer ain't walked. So you got to go before the sign shows up. huh? The sign shows up. You, you're the one. You leave that behind when you go. huh? When Irma come through here, there wasn't no evidence that she was here until she left. And then there's 29 boats washed up on the shore. All kind of trees down, power out, roofs leaking, floors flooded. Are y'all with me? Signs follow. And I want to tell you something. When you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be some signs. The Bible said this in Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them in my, that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They can speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. Now listen, don't you take this out of context. This ain't got nothing to do with handling snakes. Uh, other than with a nine millimeter or, or shovel or something. 
This does not mean tempting God. I've seen these crazies holding snakes up in church and pass them around to Sister Sue and Brother Bill, and I know why they're running around. Hello? I can't deal with that. Uh, so, well, matter of fact, right after I come down here, there, there was, we used to be the Kingsland Church of God, and there was a Kingston Church of God that did handle snakes, and they called us one day and said, are you the guys that handle them snakes? And I said, uh, yeah, we do, but we handle them with a shotgun or, or a pistol. But don't think about bringing no TV cameras down here because we ain't letting the snake in, let alone the camera with him. But Paul cast out demons. Here's the Bible in Acts 16 and 16. Now it happened as he went to prayer. Paul was going to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us and brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and um, us, cried out, said, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. Be careful how you make light of the man of God. Elisha, the great prophet, People called him bald-headed one day, and he turned and commanded two she-bears, two female bears, to come out of the woods and eat them. Be careful. I've lost a lot of hair. <laughs> These men are servants of the Most High God who, pro who proclaim the way of salvation. And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I, listen, he didn't say to the girl. He said to the spirit that was inside the girl. Listen, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, but when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace and to the authorities. Why? They wanted to put them in jail. Why? Because their little girl that was, tell, you know, reading poems and telling fortunes and had this spirit of divination, she has been delivered and set free. Hey, don't tell me it don't happen. I stood in Banquilla, Columbia in 2001, and I watched a 16-year-old demon-possessed girl kick a chair in half unbelievable strength where four or five men just trying to hold her down and pray for her and cried out to God. And I'll never forget when she was delivered from that foul spirit, she testified, cried, hugged us and just loved on us and said, I wanted to be normal, but I couldn't be normal. She did not miss one night of the four nights of the crusade on the soccer field in Barranquilla. She was so happy to be set free from a demon spirit. Well, let me, let me move on. Uh, in, in, we find it in the upper room. We find it at Cornelius' house. We find it at Ephesus. We find it with Paul. We find it with Stephen. We, you know, and then he said, if they drink any deadly poison, it's not going to hurt them. Listen, now, this ain't no Jim Jones ordeal. Y'all remember Jim Jones back in the 70s? He had a big following. He was a real charismatic preacher. And uh, he, took a whole, he took his whole church down to Guyana, Jonestown, I believe, Guyana, the country there. And, um, he, you know, his, his whole belief system was whacked out to start with. He was raping women and their children. And, uh, you, you know, if you fell asleep in his service, man, the ushers take you out back and beat you with a whip. You didn't fall asleep in his church. He didn't play that. Anyway, wake up. Now, <laughs> But uh, anyway, what Jim did, he, um, he got people so believing in him. Listen, if I ever start pointing to me, it's time for you to go. This thing ain't about me, and the harbor's not about Mike Sains. It's about Jesus Christ. It ain't my church, it's his church. Don't ever mistake that. And uh, 
Jim Jones talked all these people into believing to go where he was going. And he served Kool-Aid. I don't remember how many hundreds of people there. Mass, mass suicide where they just, they drank the Kool-Aid. That's where we sort of get that say, saying. But they drank that Kool-Aid. Let me say this. He's not talking about that. You know what he's talking about? When it's accidental. Let me tell you this. I'll, I'll try to close with this story. My son, AJ, when he was uh, just a little tyke, what would you say, Kelly? 16, 17 months, 18 months old? I'd grown a garden. In my, I was pastoring in Claxton, Georgia, a real agricultural area. I'd grown a garden, you know, in the back, and um, <clears throat> it was probably 50 yards to the garden from the back door. And I'm out there, and this thing got dark on me, and, and I'm cutting some okra and uh, just messing around in the garden. Well, I had had some malathon, which is a poison, skull and bones on the back of it. Very deadly. You, you don't drink this stuff. Well, I noticed this little form walking toward me. It's little AJ, and he's just walking toward me, and he's holding something. I thought it was his baby bottle. It was that bottle of malathon. I left it about half full, and he's got it turned up. There ain't a drop left in the bottle. All of his shirt has got poison all over it. I smell his breath, and all I can smell is that poison. Man, I grabbed him up. I ran in the house. What do you do? You go to Mama. I went in there to talk to Kelly, and she's going to kill me later, but she's, she's dialing 911. She gets 911. They said, get him to the hospital right now. That stuff is very, very deadly, uh, more so than a rattlesnake bite. I drove as fast as my Buick Century would drive to Statesboro. I didn't even stop at a little hospital in Claxton. I didn't, the hammer down all the way to Bullet Memorial Hospital. We got there, and they crushed up charcoal, just like grilling charcoal. They crushed that charcoal up and put it in a solo cup or styrofoam cup, about half full and mixed it with Coca-Cola. They said, he's got to drink that. And I thought to myself, boy, we're in trouble now. Here's what I want to tell you. He never had one symptom. Never had one symptom. Yeah, he was getting sleepy going over there. We were getting scared. But if you drink any deadly thing, that's what he's talking about, something accidental. He drank that. I had to promise him the moon to drink it, but he drank it. And that draws everything together, pulls all the stuff from your system. Of course, it's going to be bad a little later. Nonetheless, what I'm saying is this. When you put your tr trust in the Lord, you put your confidence in him, as you stand with me this morning, if you drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt you. Here, let me say this, and I, I'm going to try to tie it up. James 5 and 16, and here's one of the, the next steps I want to tell you. I want us to practice this as a next step. We don't do this enough. He said, if there's anybody sick or, or in trouble, or if anybody among you in trouble, let him pray. If anyone's happy, let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. If you're in a life group, I ask you to call your life group coordinator and leader and host. Say, I need you guys to pray for me. Amen. I need you to write it on a hay card so the staff can pray. Depending on what it is, I, you know, I, I don't, we have a myriad of needs that come through all the time. But he said, call for the elders of the church. Pray over them. Anoint them with oil. We can make sure every life group leader, every home has got a bottle of oil, and they will lay hands on you. What is the oil? Is it? Listen, 
It ain't nothing but a symbol of the Spirit of God. It's symbolic, much like communion, the bread and the wine. It represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The oil says, I'm trusting in the Spirit of God. So let them call for the elders of the church, pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. Uh-oh, let's get this last one now. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wonder why we ain't healed? We don't want to confess no sin, do we? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me say this. Peter said, I think it's meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have the things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, but we have made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we have received from God honor, the Father, honor and glory. When there came such a voice from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What Peter's saying is we were there. We heard God the Father say it. We saw Jesus Christ in the arms of John, and we saw the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove, lighting upon him. And we heard God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm just asking you to have confidence in him today. With heads bowed and eyes closed. In your life today, is there power and demonstration? Is there in your life today, are there signs following you around? I mean, is there any evidence that you trust in this God you say that you believe in? In your life today, do we see a response? Because, listen, when we are filled with His Spirit, there will be a response to it. There will be a response. Is there, is there any response in your life? I was talking to my son just the other day. We were reminiscing about my pastor when I was growing up. His name was Pastor B. Darrell Glass, one of the greatest preachers. He went to be with the Lord in 2005. I'll never forget. But I had some of his cassette tapes, and I used to listen to him driving back and forth to Cleveland, Tennessee. I told Adam, I said, I have had to pull the car off of the road before because I could not control myself. I got so wrapped up in the Spirit. I got, I got so beside myself that I couldn't see to drive no more. I, you know, and then there have been times where the Holy Spirit just drove. So is there power and demonstration in your, in your life? Is there signs and wonders? Is there a response or a reaction? And if not, then you got to tune it up, friend. you got to open your heart and say, Lord, I may have slipped. I may have failed. I may have gone back. I want you to fill my life today. Would you raise your hand if you say, Pastor, I, I, I want that in my life. Anybody, how about you? I, I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see miracles. I, I want God to do some things in my life. I'll tell you right now, I can raise both because I pastor, I preach, I do all these things. But I want God to make himself more real in my life than I've ever seen. So I want to pray to that end. But let me say this, friend, it's going to be up to you to exercise it. You see, a trainer can give you exercises 
He can give you appointments at the gym. He can, he can give you wake-up calls and reminders. But if you don't go exercise, it will not make a difference in your life. Likewise, in the Spirit, if you do not exercise, if you do not read the Word of God, if you do not pray, if you do not work in the Spirit. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these today. God, we have been saved by your marvelous grace. If we haven't been saved, we can accept the Lord Jesus Christ just simply by believing on him and confessing with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. So Lord, if we're lacking power and demonstration, if we're lacking uh, signs and wonders, if we're lacking a reaction or a response, then God, please fill us again with your power and your spirit so that I can walk in the light of the gospel. I can walk with miracles in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated for just a moment.